Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, the men here are passing out some items from Plebe Summer that I wanted to share with everybody to kind of bring us together, both the parents um, from out of town and visiting with us, and also um, for the members uh, that haven't had an opportunity to come over to the, um, to the worship services um, over at the academy. Last Sunday, we had about 34 uh, uh, folks uh, that were able to both, it was about uh, 15 or so uh, midshipmen and the rest were members of the church uh, that were over at the academy. And the numbers have been high for a large part of the summer. And so um, to our visitors and to our fourth class and also to our upper class, congratulations and welcome to the worship services here at Annapolis Church of Christ. We want you to know that we worship here in spirit and in truth. It's an important point uh, for us here at the Annapolis Church that we do that because the Bible commands us uh, to do that, to worship him, our God, in spirit and in truth. To our membership uh, that, ha that is dedicated to the work here locally, thank you. Thank you for being present. Thank you for being engaged. Thank you for being prayerful. And thank you for being willing to serve. In this period of no elders, of no deacons, of no minister, we all must remain prayerful, positive, and focused on God and his son. Focused on being ambassadors for Christ. And so as many of you know, and some don't, I typically like to start my sermons with a story. And so here we go. The title of this short story is The Brick. It goes like this. A young, a young and successful executive was traveling down a neighborhood street, going a bit too fast in his new Jaguar. He was watching for kids darting out from between parked cars and slowed down. When he thought he saw something, as his car passed, no children appeared. Instead, a brick smashed into the Jag's side door. He slammed on the brakes and backed the Jag back to the spot where the brick had been thrown. The angry executive got out of his car. He jumped out and he grabbed the nearest kid and pushed him up against a parked car and shouted, What was that all about? And who are you? Just what the heck are you doing? That's a new car, and that brick you threw is going to cost me a lot of money. Why did you do it? The young boy was apologetic. Please, mister, please. I'm sorry, but I didn't know what else to do, he pleaded. I threw the brick because no one else would stop. With tears dri dribbling down his face, and off of his chin, the young one pointed to a spot just around the parked car. It's my brother, he said. He rolled off the curb and fell out of the wheelchair, and I can't lift him up. Now sobbing, the boy asked the stunned executive, would you please help me get him back into his wheelchair? He's hurt, and he's too heavy for me. Moved beyond words, the driver tried to, swallow, tried to swallow the rapidly swelling lump in his throat. 
He hurriedly lift, lifted the handicapped boy back into the wheelchair. Then he took, he took out a linen handkerchief and dabbed at the, the, the fresh scrapes and cuts. A quick look at him, a, a quick look at him, and it told him everything was going to be okay. Thank you, and may God bless you, the grateful child told the stranger. Too shook up for words, the man simply watched the boy push his wheelchair, his wheelchair brother down the sidewalk toward his home. It was a long, slow walk back to the jag. The damage was very noticeable, but the driver never bothered to repair the dented side door. He kept the dent there to remind him of this message. Don't go through life so fast that someone has to throw a brick at you to get your attention. God whispers to our souls and speaks to our hearts. Sometimes when we don't have time to listen, he has to throw a brick at us, and it's our choice to listen or not. Now, I don't plan on throwing any bricks this morning, but I did bring one <laughs> just in case. But I would like to ask you to give me your attention for 17 minutes. 17 minutes this morning in a study of God's word. I would be remiss if I didn't take just a second or two to thank the brothers that have stood boldly week by week and proclaimed and encouraged our mids, our plebes, and our upper class over at the Naval Academy. Jason Harper, John Costello, John Lewis, Mitch Brown, Jason Goss, Stuart Eels have all given of their time to provide a message of Christ to our plebes and to our upper class. To all of the ladies that have prayed, to all of those who have come to assist our midshipmen along their journey, I thank you. And it has been a blessing. Mids, one of the great works, midshipmen are one of the great works that we do here at Annapolis. But it's not our only work. We have a lot of other work, and we have a, a lot of folks here that are willing to work, roll up their sleeves and get things done. So if you would, read with me 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse number 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is Paul speaking to the Corinthians. And he says in verse 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, 
not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal bodies. From the scripture, we have spiritually exercised our mids and our, our, our mids minds over the last six weeks on the topic that you have in front of you, jars of clay, for the last six weeks. You see, thanks to Jason Harper, he preached to us the very first Sunday after the mids had, plebes had been shell-shocked on the subject of renewal. <laughs> Being renewed day by day. The Bible teaches us that's an important work that we must do for ourselves. And how do we do that? We do that by getting in the word. 2 Corinthians 4, 11 through 18. And then Mitch Brown came over, the house of prayer. He spoke about the second week. And he talked about Jesus' anger at what the house of prayer had become. The third week, John Lewis, actually the third week, Jason Goss spoke to us about we are his workmanship. It's a little out of order. Um, I apologize. But he spoke to us about who we are in Christ and the work that we must do. Turn with me real quick to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Verse 2, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Verse 3, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were nature and like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. In verse 4, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with, with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Verse 7, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. In verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. In verse 10, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we spent some time there, the, the fourth week. And then the fifth week, or that was the third week, excuse me, and then the fourth week, we spoke about John Lewis, a great treasure of earthen vessels, the light of the gospel and how it shines through each and every one of us. And then the fifth week, 
John Costello spoke to us about having faith in God. The link between faith, prayer, belief, and forgiveness. And then last Sunday, last Sunday, Stuart Eels told us to be ready for God's work and the importance of preparation. A vessel unto honor ready for the master's use. And this Sunday, we're going to take a few moments to talk about the church member of my dreams. But before we do that, next Sunday, to give the plebes a preview, we're going to talk about your Christian character. We must add, the Bible tells us, to our faith certain Christian qualities. In increasing measure, the scriptures say, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. And you can find that in 2 Peter. And so today, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. The church member of my dreams. The Bible tells us, Paul speaking to Timothy, to young Timothy, he says in verse 1, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ, and the many things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrusted to reliable men who also be qualified to teach others. The first characteristic of this idea of the church member of my dreams is one, that is as strong as sons. Paul tells Timothy in the first verse, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Every father, every mother wants their child to be strong, to be able to endure, to do the things that are necessary in order to live. But it's interesting here, because Paul tells Timothy to be strong in something specific. He tells him to be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. So what is this grace? This grace is this undeserved favor. This idea that it's a good thing to forgive others because none of us are perfect and we need forgiveness. God died on the cross. He rose again on the third day and we were not yet even born. But God knew the plan and God set the plan in motion. And so he gives us this grace. And Paul advises Timothy to be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ, in that burial, in that death, and in that resurrection. And so Paul goes on to tell Timothy in verse 3, endure hardship with us like a good soldier in Jesus Christ. Point number two, the church member of my dreams is one that is steadfast as soldiers. One that can endure hardship because there are a lot of pains in this world. A lot of physical pains, a lot of spiritual pains, a lot of mental pains that we must go through. But God calls us to endure hardship like a good soldier. And then keep keeping on, verse 4, no one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. And verse 5, similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not, re and, 
excuse me, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. Point number three, Paul tells Timothy that he should strive as an athlete. Strive in what manner? Strive in the manner of following the word of God. Point number four, look at verse number six. It says, the hardworking farmer should be the one, should be the first to receive a share of the crops. I don't know about many of you. I know we've got Baltimore to our north, and I know we've got D.C. to our west. But I grew up in the great state of Tennessee. And I learned how to drive on a Massey Ferguson. And so it takes hard work in order to run a farm. Farmers work hard. And so the message here is that the ideal church member, Paul's telling Timothy, has got to be someone, has to be someone that's willing to roll up their sleeves and go to work. And there are a lot of folks that don't want to. But it's required of us as children of God to work hard for God. We work hard Monday through Fridays and sometimes Mondays through Saturdays. But we have to work even harder on the Lord's Day and actually every day that we live. And so Paul goes on to tell Timothy another point. If you look down in verse, uh, if you look down in verse number 15, 14, it says, keep reminding them of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling against wor about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Verse 15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. So what's the message here? Paul tells Timothy that you should be skilled as a surgeon. As a surgeon takes his scalpel, scalpel and he, he starts surgery after he washes up. He has to be careful that he doesn't cut a millimeter to the left or a millimeter to the right in order to do what's necessary to perform that surgery. How much more should we be with the word of God? which requires intense study, intense prayer, intense time with the Lord. And so if you read on in verse 21, and Stuart talked a little bit about this to our plebs last week. In verse 21, the Bible says, if a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master and prepared to do any good work. We must be sanitary as vessels. We must be clean. And it doesn't happen all by ourselves. It happens by being connected with the, with the blood of Jesus Christ. In verse 24, if you read that, the Bible goes on to say, Paul tells Timothy, and the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge 
of the truth. Paul tells Timothy to be submissive as servants. It's required of us to be submissive people. That doesn't mean we allow somebody to run over us. But what that does mean is how we handle every situation that we live because we are a representative of God, because we are an ambassador of God and Jesus, we have to watch our conduct. And we have to realize that we're not perfect. So when mistakes happen, repentance is required. And so the last item that Paul kind of tells in this scripture, the ideal church member, go back to verse 9. Verse 9, 2 Timothy 2 and verse 9, it says, For which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may be obtained, they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The last item for today that Paul kind of makes mention here in this chapter to Timothy is that sometimes you have to suffer as a criminal. You don't get those all those wonderful um, privileges when you're a criminal. Those things get taken away. Well, here on this earth, sometimes there are things that may have to get taken away as a Christian, things that you just can't do. But that's the short term. The good news is, is in the long term, you're doing what God has asked you to do. And so I wanted to spend just a few minutes today talking about what I see and what I believe that Paul is telling Timothy here in this scripture as far as the ideal church member. The question is, are we complying with the scriptures relative to the things that we are to be doing in life? And so we end today's lesson where we began in 2 Corinthians. Last set of scriptures. If you would turn back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We stopped a few minutes ago at verse 11. Picking up at verse 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 13. It is written, the Bible says... Paul speaking to the church of Corinth, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believed and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised, raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us from Jesus and present us with you in his presence. Verse 15, all this is for your benefit so that the grace that is, in re that, that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Verse 16, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, inward, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and, and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And over in chapter 5, verse 7, Paul goes on to say, we live by faith, not by sight. In verse 10, he says, for we must all appear, here's the accountability, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And then Paul ends over in this chapter 
talking about reconciliation. Verse 14, for Christ's love compels us. His love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. In verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. All the thing, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In the last verse, verse 20 for today. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And so as I started today with a short story, I'm going to end one, end today with a short story. It's entitled, Get a Good Night's Sleep. Some 300 years ago, a statesman who had some responsibility for world affairs could not sleep one night. His wakeful servant saw the lighted candle in his master's bedroom. Knocking softly, he entered and found the man pacing on the floor. When the disturbed servant asked what he could do, the statesman shook his head as he paced back and forth. It is the, terif it is the terrific problems of the world that keep me awake. You can do nothing about them. Sir, the humbled servant asked, who watched over the world before you came into it? Why, God, of course, the statesman answered. And sir, the servant asked, will God watch over the world after you're gone from it? The statesman answered, certainly. The servant said, then, sir, why don't you let him watch over it just long enough for you to get a good night's sleep. Proverbs 3.21, I apologize, there is one more scripture. <laughs> Proverbs 3.21 tells us this through 24. My son, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall they be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. Then shalt thou walk in thy way securely. And thy foot shall not stumble. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Let's all be servants of God. Let's all be servants of the Lord. And rest easy when we sleep in him. The message is yours today. If there are any needs God is always there. We're here to help you in any way. Uh, through faith, repentance, confession, and baptism, you can be put in clothed with Christ. Whatever your need may be this morning, please stand as we together sing.